Hello, everyone. My name is Joe Morton, and welcome to my podcast, which is entitled A Cup of Joe. This is a podcast dedicated to health and wellness. So we're going to talk about it all, and I love this subject. I'm passionate about it, and I want you to know something. I'm grateful to be a part of your journey. And again, all the different things that we're talking about are going to help you understand that you hold the key and that your success is in your hands and greatness is out there for you. This podcast is a 98 Studios production. Hello everyone, Joe Morton here and this is my podcast, A Cup of Joe. Thanks for joining. Thanks for being here today and listening. And I'm so excited for this episode with Vic Johnson. Uh, We're going to dive into our diet. We're going to dive into how our diet, what we what we consume makes a difference in our energy levels on an everyday basis. But also if you're exercising, which Everyone kind of wants to know this. Well, how do we do this? How do we properly maximize what we consume to ensure that we have the proper energy, uh, that we have the sustained energy throughout not only our workouts, but post pre-workouts, post-workouts, throughout the rest of the day, because that's important, and to maximize how that makes a difference with everything from our day-to-day activities to sleep at night even. Uh, we're going to dive into hydration a little bit. Hope that's okay. Because uh, that's an important part too. <laughs> so Vic Johnson, let me introduce Vic here for a second. He's a, a, a coach actually. He's a coach for, of endurance athletes, but everything from runners, particularly off a trail, I would say, right? Mountain. Mostly, but, yeah. But but you're going to have athletes that are... Yeah, I have a few half marathoners yeah. and marathoners. Here. But mostly they're endurance athletes. And as you, when I introduce a little bit further, you'll understand. Um and everything from triathletes to um, endurance runners, cyclists, skiers, uh, all of the above. And and he leads the charge by being an endurance athlete himself. In fact, he just finished an event in uh, Puerto Vallarta, Mexico, where you took 20th? 25th. 25th place. Guys, this is UTMB. This is a big event. And it was a 50K, so that's what, 32, 33 miles. And it was very hot. I'm just dying to dive into this, but <laughs> he leads the charge. He's very much an example of what he, what he teaches, what he preaches and what he coaches with his, with his athletes, coaches athletes all over the world. And, uh, he's well-trained. He's got a, a bachelor's from Brigham Young University in psychology, but also went to Northern Arizona university with uh, public health and nutrition and so understands the human body and how we, again, what we put in here and what a difference it makes in our output on a daily basis. So super st- excited to dive into this episode. So thanks, Vic. Thanks for joining. Thanks for having me on. I'm super stoked. We've we've known each other a long time and we've had a chance to run together. You run with my boys and and my boys try to keep up with you. I mean, everyone <laughs> tries to keep up with you. 25th place. What was this like? I mean, you just did this. Like we're talking two weeks yeah, ago. Yeah, it was, uh, yeah, two weeks, uh, yeah, two weekends ago. It was hot. I was was in the area. I was in the area at the time and I went for a run for like, I don't know, six miles or five miles. And I was just dying. Like, and your elevation gain was what it was. Uh, So it was depending on the source. uh, It was anywhere from seven to 9,000. I think my watch clocked something like 8,000 feet of gain over the, the 31 miles or so. So, wow. But yeah, it was hot. I, I mean, to your point, I, we ran down to the start line, kind of jogged down to the start line at 6 a.m. And it was probably a half mile jog and we were already drenched by yeah. the time we got it, just so humid. What time did you start? Six. Six. Yeah, okay, six, six. Yeah. So, oh man, it was wow. probably the hottest race I've ever done. 
but but a good time. It was a cool race. Yeah. Now you got to prepare differently for that, I'm sure, because here we're very dry. We're high elevation. We're dry, um, cold right now. Yep. yep. Was that tricky? It was because we didn't have, I mean, a whole lot of hot weather to to get ready for this thing. And I kind of started training, you know, maybe a month and a half, two months before, seriously. So I was taking a lot of like hot baths and that sort of thing, trying to dial in my uh, hydration as well, knowing that I would probably have to be drinking a lot more because I was losing a lot more uh, through sweat and stuff. But yeah, it was, it was tough. I mean, the, the terrain and the, the elevation gain and that sort of thing, you can kind of, kind of get that in the foothills and mountains around here, but, but it was definitely a, a challenging race. We had Brian Bexted on here, you know, oh, Brian. yeah, yeah. Um, ultra. Yeah. Ultra. And he was taught, he's taught me in the past about heat training and how mm-hmm. you want to be prepared for that. That would have been tough. I mean, to really make sure your body's prepared for that kind of humidity, first of all, but also the heat coming from here. Yeah. Yeah. And some of that you just can't really Mm -hmm. fully prepare for, uh, not having the same heat to train in, but a lot of, a lot of guys, you know, and even guys that I coach will train in a sauna, um, and, you know, do core work or yoga in a sauna after their runs and, and that can help a little bit, but you know, I, I don't really have access to that. So I was taking hot baths and that sort of thing. So did you find a a benefit going from our altitude here, which is somewhere around 4,500, 4,600 here, like Mm -hmm. where we are right now to sea level. And even though they did have an elevation gain a lot, but. Yeah, I, I definitely felt, uh, like I was able to breathe better down there. Um, but at the same time you're breathing and you're feeling like you're just breathing in water because it's Mm -hmm. so humid and so Mm -hmm. hot. Um, me and I, I ran with my buddy, uh, Garrett Christensen and we, the second we got back into the States, you know, we, we stopped in, uh, Vegas and then drove back from there. We're like, man, that you can just feel like you're breathing actual air here, even though we're at a higher elevation. But I think, you know, metabolically and, and, uh, you know, oxygen in the blood, I think it definitely helped to have come from a higher altitude. Wait, is Garrett the guy who took my space, my place he, once? He is. He is. He ran as I you. I came in like the place or something like that. <laughs> he ran as you. That was our first ultra. That was a was squat, really? squat peak. Yeah. yeah. I was I was supposed to do this squat peak <laughs> and I had to travel the last minute. And so that was Garrett. I gave, I gave my spot to Garrett. And so my name came in like, what would he came in? Uh, I think, I think we took sixth and seventh. Yeah. So, so. yeah. Yeah. It was Joe. It, it was, really it wasn't was, yeah. <laughs> It was the name that carried them <laughs> yeah. through. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> That's great. So um, just a little tip, by the way, actually, when you're coming to an event, at least for me, I don't know if you do the same thing. Maybe you can give us some thoughts on it. Do you look at what they're going to be? Of course, you look at the train, what kind of train you're going to be on. But do you look at what their nutrition is going to be at the race? and get an idea of what you're going to be putting into your body during the race? Because there's, of course, aid stations, if anyone's ever done one of these. you got aid stations along the way. And do you kind of look at what their electrolytes going to be, what their food's going to be, so that you can prepare your gut? Oh, yeah, 100%. Um, that's, In fact, I'd say that's probably one of the, the primary things I do with my athletes that I work with. Um, and a lot of that is going to be practicing that during – their long trainings leading up to that race. So whether that's a long run or a long ride, um, 
yeah, you're going to you're going to try to use the same types of fuel that you know that you're going to be able to use during the race. And a lot of times that will involve looking on the on the race website and seeing what they're going to have at the aid stations. Um, you know, before this run and not that I'm a, a perfect example or anything, but before this race, uh, I looked at, you know, UTMB's offerings at this Puerto Vallarta race and saw that they were going to be using uh, Gatorade at the aid stations and thought, well, I might as well buy some Gatorade and start training with that um, as one of my hydration and carbohydrate sources uh, leading into this race. And I was glad that I did because I, I I knew that I could handle it and I knew what it, you know, the, the taste and that sort of thing. And so those, those sorts of details that seem kind of silly to even look into uh, can, can actually kind of make or break your, your race day, depending on how your nutrition goes. So hundred percent. Yeah. hundred percent. Anyone training for an event, make note of that because when you get to the event, your gut can react very differently. Depending if it's a 5k, that's going to be one thing, but it, well, actually there wouldn't be an aid station probably at a 5k. <laughs> but if you're doing like a, a half marathon, a marathon, there are going to be aid stations in your gut. You will want to be prepared for that. Yep. I did one in Europe once. Oh my gosh. I didn't do that. <laughs> and it was some random, it was like a, uh, their electrolyte replace, whatever it was. Yeah. It wasn't Gatorade. It wasn't Powerade, yeah. anything that I was familiar with. And my gut got really messed up. Yeah. Yeah. So be aware of that. Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. So you got, you got athletes all over the world. You, you're coaching athletes, different levels, different level of events that they're doing. How do you start? Because this is really an important point. And, and this is going to, I want to try to balance this between athletes, but then every day mm. so that hopefully person can extract a little bit from this because we're, let's face it, we just don't know how to eat anymore. <laughs> Whether we're doing an endurance event or just in general. Yeah. I think macros, ma explain macros first of all, but then, well, where do you start? Let's say, where do you start? Okay. I <laughs> no, come to a, you. I come to question. you. Where do you start? Yeah. So uh, whether you're an athlete or not, I think the most important place to start is by taking stock of, of where you're currently at. What are the types of foods that you're generally eating on a day-to-day -day basis? Um, how much are you eating on a day-to-day -day basis? How much are you expending on a day-to-day -day basis? So we get kind of a, this, this, calorie balance and energy balance, um, idea, um, really understanding where that person is. A lot of times I'll do blood work with most of my athletes right at the beginning. And that's, uh, it's really helpful to kind of look under the hood and see kind of what's happening in that engine. Um, and, and then that will inform where we need to go. Right. And whether that person's a high performing athlete or just someone who, you know, is more recreational or, or even a non-athlete, it's really important to know where the person is before you start, you know, throwing multivitamins at them and, and saying, you need to eat this diet or this diet or eat this amount. You need to know where they're currently at. And so establishing that baseline, I think is where I usually start. That's great that you do a, a blood work. Mm -hmm. That's pretty exact. That's very exact. Yeah. Yeah, I work with a, it's a company called Athlete Blood Test and they'll they'll run whatever panels you want to run with the athletes. So it's really customizable. Um, and I've, I that so basically I'll send my athlete to a lab core, they'll get their blood drawn, they'll send the results in and then we'll go over those results together. So 
uh, yeah, really, really helpful to, to do that. I've been doing that for the last few years with my athletes. Great. So if a person's watching or listening and they, they're wanting to start, they don't quite know where to start mm. getting blood work might not always be an option, you know? Right. Um, there's so many apps out there right now. There's, I mean, our devices will help us understand approximately, mm-hmm. it's not exact, mm-hmm. but approximately kind of the generally, our general day's caloric burn, maybe what our caloric intake should be. Is that a pretty good starting point for an average person to go for? Yeah. Yeah. I, think I mean, so they're going to plug sure. in everything from their age and their weight and their, right. you know. And that's, that's what it's, you know, guesstimating off of is that data, those data points that we put in. Um, but yeah, if you're using a, you know, your Apple health app or something like that with most of my athletes, I'll use an app called chronometer. Um, and there's a free version and a pro version. Um, but you can track your food on that app. And again, it's not going to be a hundred percent accurate on, on its estimates of the calories that you've eaten or the macronutrient targets and, and micronutrient targets and that sort of thing. But it at least gives us an idea. And so usually I'll have people track for at least seven days, um, much longer than that. I feel like it can get kind of annoying to have to think about your food that much and and be tracking every single thing that you're eating all day. Um, But at least seven days and then I'll average that. And that gives us a really good idea of kind of where they're at and, you know, with their macronutrient goals, um, we'll look and see where they're at with their carbohydrate intake, for example. And then we'll compare that with what the literature is saying on where an athlete who's training as much as they are should be um, with their carbohydrate intake. And then we'll start making little goals and saying, okay, well, you're, you know, eating 200 grams of carbs per day. And for an endurance athlete training as much as you are, we should probably be hitting more like 400 or 500. So what are we going to eat on a day-to-day basis to and it doesn't have to be drastic, but slowly increase that amount to try to try and optimize uh, that athlete's nutrition. And so getting that initial data, we don't even know where they're at. If we don't know where they're at, then we don't know where we can go with them. But yeah, using an app like Chronometer is phenomenally helpful. Mm-hmm. So what's a macro? Tell us what a macro is. <laughs> so calories are basically a unit of of uh, measurement of, of energy, right. That our bodies can then use and turn into ATP, which then powers our, our cells. Right. Um, and there's three types of nutrients called macronutrients that make up the calories. Okay. And they're called macronutrients because they're being compared to the micronutrients, which are small, right. The vitamins and the minerals. Um, and so the three macronutrients are carbohydrates, protein, and fats or lipids. Um, and those are the three things that provide calories that our body needs. And it uses them in, in lots of different ways um, and uh, different amounts of them at different times. Uh, and part of that is is important to understand as an athlete about what calories you're using when so you know what to replenish when. Um, but then the, the micronutrients are, like I said, are, are the vitamins and minerals. Um, I like to explain it like uh, there's a lot of car analogies in nutrition, um, just because they take fuel and they go, mm-hmm. um, clean fuel. It, yeah. Clean, yeah. That sort of thing. But you can look at it and say, okay, the gas in the car is going to be the macronutrients, the carbs, protein, and fat. 
And the oil in the car is going to be the vitamins and the minerals, the micronutrients that kind of help you use the gas and help the rest of the car kind of function how it's supposed to. So that's how I like to explain it to mm-hmm. people. So you made, a, you made a comment that it can be a little tedious or some people say too much mm-hmm. to, to track food. But I think it's really helpful like I get off track sometimes. I know mm-hmm. I do. And when I do, I just start tracking it again. And right now I'm preparing for that, um, that one event next year with James Lawrence. And so I'm starting to get very diligent again. Yeah. With my awesome. macros. And it's really interesting when you start to look at it and it, can it be hard? Absolutely. But I like, but like to look at it as choose your hard, you know, right. it might be hard, but it's really telling you start to realize, Oh my gosh, I just down 600 calories. And it's, I don't want to say useless calories, but kind of, there's a <laughs> lot of useless calories out there that we can just down. And then if that's, it, let's say the average calorie clerk intake for male, what is it like 2000 ish? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And you just down 600 calories of those 2000 in. And maybe you're not getting a whole lot of nutrients exactly. in that, in those calories. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's really helpful. I think especially in the world we live in, because gravity's pulling us. Yeah. Very much pulling us towards useless kind of calories. Not to say there's not a a place for that fun in, in the <laughs> world, especially as we're going into the holidays, but it can get out of control really fast. Eh? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. The The only time that I would tell an athlete maybe to avoid or, or anyone else tracking on an app is if they've had a history maybe with disordered eating Mm -hmm. and those numbers uh, start to become a mental health issue where they're, they're almost judging their self-worth off of the numbers. And if they're not hitting their goal, they're not worthy of, of love or whatever it is anymore. Or if there's body dysmorphia issues that are tied to those numbers and their weight and that sort of thing. Um, I'll never say no to more data as long as, the person is in a good mental health space for that data collection. Wow. That's that a great sense. point. Yeah. That is a great point. So talk about how the body, um, tell me how the body will react. will will respond, I guess, with properly making sure, like you said, if you're not, not getting enough carbohydrates or not enough mm-hmm. protein or not enough fats, how do, how does that affect your athletes? That must be a big difference, eh? Yeah. Yeah. Big, huge difference. Um, the very first thing that we look at is that energy balance. And it's actually the thing that I would say most athletes struggle with is eating enough. And that's surprising because everyone thinks, oh, we need to eat less in order to, you know, lose weight or look the way we want to in order to perform. But honestly, the majority of my athletes, they come to me and I help them eat more food. Um, so that's the very first thing that we look at. And that's huge. That affects every body system, right? Because um, going back to the the car analogy, if you don't have gas in the tank, it's not going to go, right? And lots of, there, there's a there's something called relative energy deficiency in sport or, or REDS um, as an acronym. And basically it just means that when you when you exercise, you're burning a certain amount of calories right? And your body just needs a certain amount of calories and is also burning a certain amount of calories just living your everyday life, 
right? Your, your, your normal metabolism, just as we're sitting here, we're burning calories, right? And that's to, to keep the lights on in the building. That's to make sure our organs are functioning and, and, you know, doing their thing. And if an athlete then is, is exercising on top of that, the calories that they eat will cover their exercise, right? So they're breaking even there, but then their, their regular metabolism is burning that many more calories and they don't have the calories to support their normal body function and, and the, the, the body systems that, um, you know, need to be activated in order to recover, um, and, you know, have, uh, good, uh, menstrual health for, for females, um, or, or other sexual function, uh, in males as well, um, or other hormonal issues or, um, bone health is related to this as well. So there's all these things that can be affected if an athlete isn't eating enough food. And it doesn't really matter. Not that it doesn't matter, but the very first thing I look at is, is I don't care what you're eating. I just want you to eat enough of anything. <laughs> and then once you're eating enough, that's when we can start paying more attention to, okay, let's try to get these calories that you're eating to be more nutrient dense and to be you know, coming from, uh, you know, less empty calorie places, right? Less, less processed food and stuff like that. Um, so that's the first thing that we'll look at is, is overall caloric intake. Is it enough to support that athlete's athletic function and just their regular, just being a human, a healthy human. So. Interesting. Yeah. They don't, uh, I would imagine I probably have many times have fallen into that category. Not enough. It's so easy to do. It's so easy to do. Cause if you think, uh, your basal metabolic rate, I mean, I would guess that it, yeah, it's probably somewhere just over 2000 or something like that. Uh, but then if you're explain that, so basal metabolic rate is, is kind of what I was just talking about where you need a certain amount of, or you're burning a certain amount of calories just to support normal, everyday Not function. including like if you're an athlete yep. and you're pushing it, yep. you're exercising. Not okay. including the exercise or active calories. Um, so we let's say, you know, you're 2200 or something like that. And then if you're working out an hour plus every day, then that's another 600, 800, 1200 calories, depending on the activity. And you could be in that big of a deficit if you're just, if you're just eating enough to cover, you know, your, your, your metabolic rate or eating what you should as an, as an athlete, your age, right? Cause you look at that and say, oh, well, I'm burning this many, but then you're not taking into account the exercise calories that you're eating or that you're burning. And you can very quickly get in a hole there. Okay. So if you get in a hole. Like let's say it's two, three, four days. Yeah. Like push and push yeah. and push it. Yeah. And you're constantly and it might be okay to be a little bit, but like a big deficit. Yeah. What 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 would a person, what would your athletes experience if that were the case? So energy levels probably start to go down. Yeah, definitely. Um with the reds that we were talking about before, that's more chronic. So that's more when we see an athlete in a rather large deficit for weeks or months when they can start seeing lower leg injuries or they're getting sick all the time or their hormones are all out of whack, that sort of thing. Um, that's more of a chronic issue. But yeah, short term, 
uh, energy levels would be the biggest thing. You would start to notice that your workouts wouldn't feel great. Uh, you might actually not be sleeping very well is one that I see quite a bit when, when athletes aren't eating enough. Um, and then, yeah, just low energy. You feel, you know, not motivated to, to get up and go live life. Um, because you're just not, you're not eating as much. Your recovery might suffer. Um, after workouts, it might take you a while to, you know, you're going to feel sore for a long time. Mm -hmm. Um, and then just during the workout, you're just going to have really crappy workouts if, if you're trying to exercise and you're not eating enough overall. So those are kind of the short term things that you would probably see real quick. Okay. So we've been, this is really interesting. This is like a, we could go down this rabbit hole. We could do a whole podcast on reds. (laughs) This is really interesting. So. Um, you're talking about an athlete, an endurance athlete here, and you're, you're coaching triathletes and you're coaching mountaineers and you're coaching people who really push it. I mean, they're burning yeah. some heavy calories and, uh, and endurance runners. Now take, take a person who's goes to work every day and they're, they're really diligently trying to keep in shape, for example, mm-hmm. what, whatever their goal might be, they hurt in the gym in the morning. Mm-hmm. They're hitting it hard for 30 to 60 minutes or so. The same applies, doesn't it? It certainly can. I mean, it, because now you've, you've added 30 to 60 minutes of yeah. And weight slash cardio, whatever they're doing. Yeah. And, and it's, you know, it's a little different. Um, For example, an endurance athlete is probably going to, burn a little bit more calories just because their heart rate's going to be higher during that sort of activity rather than a gym workout or something mm-hmm. like that. But it, it depends on the workout. Um, it really is just, you know, this is maybe a, a simplistic way to look at it, but it is looking at that, that equation and saying, how many calories am I taking in and how many calories am I burning? And what is my overall end goal, right? If someone wants to gain a bunch of, bunch of muscle, they're going to want a large caloric surplus, right? If someone has excess body fat that they, they are looking to lose and would benefit and become more healthy if they lost that body weight, um, then they're going to want a deficit, right? And so that's, that's why we look at the energy balance as one of the very first things that we look at when I start working with someone. And then, knowing their goals and where they want to go. That's kind of what dictates, uh, you know, how much we try to help them eat on top of where they're already at. Or, or sometimes I'll have people come to me who want to lose weight. Um, and, and if, you know, using my clinical judgment, if I can tell that that's actually something that might benefit them and help them be a healthier person or a, or a better performing athlete, then we can talk about, creating that caloric deficit and how they want to go about that. And do you work with non-endurance athletes as well? Occasionally, you know, there's actually been a few um, family members who I've worked with um, who wanted help. Uh, so occasionally I'll do that. A lot of my my graduate research uh, was with with uh, people who were, were non-athletes. I worked with a lot of the student athletes at Northern Arizona University, but I also did a lot of uh, research uh, with, with people who, 
you know, just wanted to lose weight or general health maintenance, that sort of thing too. Hello everyone, Joe Morton here for a Cup of Joe podcast. I want to say thank you to our sponsor today, King Cool Plunge. These guys are incredible. I love this product that they've prepared. It allows you to be able to get into cold plunging and stay consistent with that. Whatever temperature you want to set it at has a filtration system. It looks cool. It looks amazing. I love their colors. I love cold plunging for the purpose of just overall health and wellness of body, mind, and spirit. I love the way I feel when I use it. Helps me become present in the moment, very mindful. There is no way that you cannot be in the present moment when you get into a cold plunge. And King Cold Plunge is a phenomenal product for that. Check them out, kingcoolplunge.com and use the discount code A-C-O-J. King Cool Plunge is spelled K-I-N-G K-O-O-L Plunge. Their Instagram handle is King Cool Plunge or their website is kingcoolplunge.com. So check them out. Thank you very much. Make it a great day. And well, speaking of losing weight, same concept, I guess, the same principles apply. You've got protein, carbs, and fats, those macros that are needed. Every body needs them. Mm -hmm. Um, is Is it the same kind of idea if a person's wanting to lose weight, they can start to look in that direction because there's so many programs out there, Vic. I mean, it's, it can be a little overwhelming. Yeah. Uh, Not a little. A lot. (laughs) A lot overwhelming. Um, I don't want to oversimplify it, but at the same time, is that kind of what a person's going to be looking for? What's their basal metabolic? Yeah. Yeah. It, it really, if you look at any weight loss diet that works, it's because you're creating a caloric deficit. And the way to do that is there's there's lots of different ways to do that, right? You look at a, a plant-based diet and you can create a caloric deficit because plant-based foods tend to be very fiber-rich and, and filling, but they're not very calorically dense. So you might be eating the same amount of food, but you're creating a caloric deficit. Um, or you can look at fasting diets, uh, which, you know, there's contradicting research on, on those out there, but basically you're creating a caloric deficit by fasting over a certain amount of time, whether that's intermittent, uh, you know, a long period overnight, uh, or, you know, there's fasting clinics where people will go and drink water for a week mm-hmm. and it can work, um, right? Because you're creating this caloric deficit. You look at a ketogenic diet. Uh, people are cutting out all of these, um, you know, baked goods and, you know, processed, processed food. carbohydrate mm-hmm. foods that they're eating a lot of and they're creating a caloric deficit. So they're going to see weight loss. Um, so, yeah, there's lots of different ways to go about it. When I'm when I'm trying to help an athlete lose weight, I try to do it in a way that will be sustainable for that athlete. Um, and especially if they're training for something as well then that's a tricky balance because they need enough calories to support their training. But at the same time, you want to also create this slight caloric deficit so that over time they're losing some of this body fat. Um, So it can be a tricky, tricky balance for Mm -hmm. sure. Yeah. Okay. So going back to macros, you mentioned plant-based and I think the audience should know that you are a plant, you live Mm -hmm. a plant-based life for a long time now. Yeah, it's been... Almost, I think 16, a little over 16 years. So it's been a while. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So fully plant-based. 
Yeah. Like when you did that event down in um, Mexico, for example. Uh, well, they should probably have, mo- for the most part, plant-based. Oh, yeah. It's, items Mexican that food is pretty yeah. easy. So along the r- along the run, they're going to have at the aid stations. Oh, yeah. For the most part, you can eat. Yeah. Pretty yeah. Cool. During a race, you know, you're mostly doing Gatorade and gels. Yeah. Anyway, those are mm-hmm. all yeah. vegan plant-based. So that's not as much of an issue. Um, but yeah, the Mexican food in general is mm-hmm. pretty easy to, yeah. to make pretty plant-centered. So. Yeah. So do you, does that attract more plant-based athletes for you? Because um, I mean, they're going to want to yeah. understand. I mean, that's a different approach. Kind it is. Of. It is. Yeah. There's there's certain things that you definitely need to watch out for mm-hmm. as as a plant based person trying to also perform at a high level. Um, and yeah, I would say uh, you know a a good portion of my athletes are also plant centered or plant based or vegetarian or vegan or mm-hmm. however you want to say it, um, leaning into the plants. Yeah. Um, but I also work with a lot of athletes who, who aren't, mm-hmm. and, and that's totally cool too. You know, there's, uh, reasons why I myself am plant-based that have to do with health and environment and ethical reasons and all sorts of things, but there's, you know, to each their own. And, and I'm willing to work with anyone who wants to improve their, their nutrition and performance. So I'm not super picky in that regard. Mm-hmm. So with that said, with the with you, let's say you have an athlete that comes to you. You have an athlete who is uh, ketogenic. That's their preference of yeah. of of their eating style. You have plant based. You have um, I don't know if you have any carnivore. I don't know if you can. I'm not sure if there's carnivore <laughs> endurance athletes. I'm not sure, but let's the same principle applies though. Correct. I mean, you macros are macros. They're protein, carbs, and fats. I right. mean. Your body, do you just work within a plan? Like if they're if they're plant based, this is what you'll do. If they're keto, for example, this is what they'll do. Um, yeah, and I actually have had a couple of more ketogenic athletes. Um, it was due to health issues that they had, though. Um, in which case, uh, for example, if there's, if there's uh, neurological issues, actually there's a lot of solid research on the ketogenic diet um, for those issues. Even in those instances with my athletes, I'll still try and help them eat basically as many carbohydrate uh, calories as mm-hmm. they possibly can mm-hmm. because they're still going to uh, – the human body doing endurance exercise – just benefits from that. And mm-hmm. so uh, basically there's there's research out there on what is ideal for endurance athletes as far as carbohydrate, protein, and fat. Um, looking at those ratios, and it's going to change depending on the day, right? Um, and I'm by no means am I like a macro coach where, mm-hmm. you know, you have your athletes do the exact same macros every day or something like that. But there's general ranges. And for example, you want carbohydrate roughly to be 45 to 65% of your calories. Um, you want uh, protein to be anywhere from 15 to 25%, depending on goals. Mm-hmm. And then the rest is usually fat, right? Usually we don't want that any lower than 20% of calories. Um, so regardless of where the athlete is, I'll try to help them get as close to that as they're willing to go. Mm-hmm. Um, or as they're 
you know, their current diet or preferences allows them to go. Um, just because that's what the literature is saying is, is going to be most helpful mm-hmm. for them and their mm-hmm. performance. Yeah. So that's great. Um, wonderful. So, um, we talked about at the beginning, you did this event down in Mexico and this is a very important, um, this is a very important part to nutrition in general, I think on a daily basis, but particularly for endurance athletes and that's hydration, mm. not just water. Of course, water is very important and want to drink and hydrate <laughs> as much with water, as well. but, but hydration in general, like making sure you get the proper amount of electrolytes. Yeah. This is a pretty important point for an athlete or for an everyday person who's working out on a daily basis. And Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, that's definitely one of those things that we want to practice leading up to an event. Um, because depending on the event, right, they're going to need to drink a different amount. And that's actually something that, you know, every, every race you're going to learn something, you're going to look back and say, okay, well, what could I have done better? What went well? What could I have done better? And there was one aid station that was, it was a really long stretch. I think I was maybe two hours in between the two aid stations or something like that. There was a lot of climbing. Um, and I had gone into the race knowing that that section was going to be long and saying, okay, I need to leave that aid station with three soft flasks full of fluid, whether that's Gatorade or water, you know, some mix of those. And when I got there, I was like, ah, I think I can get away with two. And I, I regret that decision because I, not that during the race I was okay. I, I definitely felt a little bit dehydrated there, but after the race I got some serious heat stroke and it was because I wasn't hydrating as well as I should have been. And, and it was, it was tough to train for. I didn't know I was going to be sweating that much. I didn't know it was going to be that hot. Um, but looking back, I, I wish I would have done a little better job of sticking to my plan once I had made it and saying, okay, yeah, I'm definitely going to leave with all of my hydration reservoirs full. Um, but yeah, such a, such an important thing, right? If you are under hydrating, it can affect all sorts of body systems, right? Um, with the, with my endurance athletes, the biggest thing I was actually just talking to an athlete this morning who was a coaching the biggest thing that I see when an athlete underhydrates, just with any sort of fluid, whether that's water or electrolyte drink or carbohydrate drink, um, is is nausea. And the number one red flag of if if someone's like, I'm feeling nauseated and feel like I can't eat, I can't get any more gels down, I can't get, I don't feel like, you know, eating what's at the aid stations. The number one thing I look at is, all right, where's your hydration at? Like, have you been hydrating sufficiently? Um, because essentially the, the brain releases a hormone to tell your kidneys to hang on to the fluid that you do have when you're dehydrated. Uh, and so it'll, instead of your kidneys pushing that fluid out and, and you urinating, it'll recycle that back into the bloodstream because you got to hang on to what little fluid you do have. But that rush of hormone that you're that you're releasing is going to cause that nausea. And so that's that's the biggest issue I see with that athletes is they they get dehydrated, they get 
nauseated and then they can't eat. And then it's like this downward spiral. Is that hyponatremia? So, yeah. So essentially, so there's hypernatremia when sodium levels compared to fluid levels are too high. And that's, that's dehydration. Hyponatremia is overhydration. Um, so that's when sodium levels are, are lower compared to the amount of fluid. That's okay. Because yeah. that's definitely happened to me before where oh, my yeah. stomach's feels like it's sloshing around. It's oh, not yeah. processing. Yep. It's not getting into your small intestine and large intestine where it can then get into the bloodstream. It's just sticking in your gut. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of issues. There are a lot of things that can lead to that. Um, but as an athlete, you don't want stuff staying in your stomach. You want it getting to the bloodstream, whether that's carbs or fluid or whatever it is. You want it in the bloodstream where it can actually be used. So that's something that I troubleshoot with my athletes a lot of times. Mm-hmm. So how do you get – okay, in along the same lines with an athlete, and this happened to me several times. I mean we can all remember those moments when we bonk. Mm. Talk about what is a bonk. Mm. Like if, if a person's listening, like I've heard that term before, bonking. <laughs> It's not fun. Um, no. I can assure you it's not fun. You almost lose a little disorient. I mean, it can become disoriented. Oh, absolutely. Like completely. Yeah. Happened to me just the other day. I was with Ethan. We yeah. were running up in the mountains and I just started to get a little dizzy. And uh, so talk about bunking. Like what, what's really happening to that? That's a great person. question. Um, yeah. So usually what a bonk is, or, or some people might've heard it as hitting the wall. Like in a marathon, mm. you hit the wall. So essentially... Your body stores, when we're talking about bonking, we're, we're talking in terms of carbohydrate. That's the macronutrient that has the most to do with bonking. Um, so when you eat carbs, so when you ate breakfast this morning or lunch, uh, your body's going to store those carbohydrates as glycogen. It's a fancy word for stored carbs, right? And that's going to be stored in your muscles and your liver, okay? And when you're exercising, you're going to break down that glycogen and the cells are going to turn it in back into glucose, and that's what's going to give you energy, right? But those stores, if you think of it as a gas tank, that's finite, right? And so eventually you're going to run out. And unless you're taking in exogenous or external fuel, whether that's a sports drink or an apple or or gels or whatever, uh, then eventually you're going to run out and your gas tank is going to be on empty and that's a bonk, right? That's It feels like really heavy legs. If it's bad enough, your liver glycogen is also depleted and that liver glycogen is in charge of basically regulating your blood glucose and the brain primarily uses that blood glucose so that's why you can also start to get kind of that disoriented, like woozy, lightheaded. I, I almost feel if it's a bad bonk, you almost feel like you're like floating above your body. Mm-hmm. And it's just really not a great feeling. Um, but the the way to not bonk is basically just continually eat carbohydrate. And the amount depends on, you know, how hard you're going and how long you're going. So you notice you're starting to bonk. Yeah. It does happen to us, unfortunately. I mean, we'd like to know oh. that we're eating enough well along the way, but you know, we get distracted or whatever. Yeah. What can you do immediately? I have a few tricks myself, but what do you teach your athletes? What do you teach people? So it, it depends on why they're bonking, 
but usually it's just a lack of fueling in general, right? So I I usually tell them, get whatever carbs will get into your bloodstream the fastest. For most people, that's going to be fluid carbs, okay? So whether that's Gatorade or Scratch or Tailwind or whatever, you know, they have as part of their hydration plan. Um, gels are usually also pretty quick within five or 10 minutes. That'll usually get into your bloodstream. Um, but that's, that's usually what I'll say. Eat something that, you know, you can get down. Uh, cause lots of times when it kind of has to do with the dehydration that we were talking mm-hmm. about before, lots of times you'll be dehydrated and not feel like eating. And that's why you bonk and because you're nauseated. And so Sometimes in order to get out of that bonk, you have to hydrate first. And even if that's with water, then you'll get rid of that that nausea and then you can eat something and then pull yourself out of the bonk. It'll likely force you to slow down anyways, but sometimes taking a complete break, you know, sitting down for a bit and taking the time is better than just pushing on and, and moving really slow. And it can even be dangerous sometimes, you know, if you're on a bike or something like that. One of my so. favorites is applesauce. Oh yeah, just like oh yeah, that's fast. It's made a makes a it goes in really quick. Yep, yep. Yeah, and they have little the little tricks. squeezy pouches. Mm-hmm. Those are those Love are fantastic. Them. Love them. Uh, so I always make sure I have that, and that's a little trick of the trade, by the way. Always be prepared, especially if you're in the mountains. Yep. Be prepared with hydration. Be prepared with whatever you need, and over prepare if needed. Yep. I, actually, I would recommend over prepared. <laughs> I'd rather have more than I need than not have. Definitely. You know? So. I'd love to dive into, and maybe we need to do a special podcast for this, but I mean, you did a degree in psychology. Um, there's a psychological aspect of endurance athletes and like, what's something that you teach your, your athletes? Do you, do you help them set goals? Is there some, something that from that perspective that you, you find that's helpful for athletes? In regards to nutrition specifically? Not necessarily nutrition. I'm talking performance. I'm talking that individual and wanting them, they're wanting to accomplish a goal, whatever Mm -hmm. that goal is. Mm. It's out there. It's whatever the event is. Yeah. Is there stuff along the way that you treat or do you focus more on nutrition? I mean, it's mostly the nutrition stuff that I do. Um, But it definitely, I mean, we're always talking about the athlete's goals and their, their performance goals, even if they're working with another training coach. Um, because it's so pertinent to how they're going to fuel. So we're always talking about it, but I, I would say that the theme that I see with the athletes who are able to accomplish their goals, whether that's performance oriented goals or nutrition, and they usually go together, mm-hmm. right. Um, is knowing what your motivation is and knowing why you're doing the thing. The why. Yep. It's gotta be. How about important the is the why? Yeah. So, so important. It's, if there's no why, then you're just going to kind of fizzle. Or if the why isn't solid, you're just going to kind of fizzle. But when it's, when it gets hard, because it's going to get hard, whether that's during training or, you know, when you're prepping your food or, you know, everyone's busy, right? They have kids, they have jobs, they have school or whatever, you know, and things are going to get in the way of your goals, and if you're not remembering why you're doing the thing, it's it's not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. You have to want it more than those other things in, in some regards. So, 
yeah, that why is so, so crucial. The why really helps us push through yeah. whatever's going to be in the way. Yeah. Especially during the, the event, right? Because mm. regardless of how well you trained or how good your nutrition plan is, you're going to hurt. You're going to suffer. You're going to go through some low points and you got to have something that's getting you to the end. And whether that's a time goal or, you know, whether that's, um, you know, a, a spot on the podium or whether that's just being able to say like, Hey, I'm getting older now, but I can still do this super awesome thing up in the mountains and like feel really proud of myself. Like that can be a motivation to, to help you finish and get to where you want to be. Mm, I love that. It's great. Okay. We're kind of wrapping up here. couple quick, quick questions. Do you have a favorite place to like, do you have a, you, I mean, you've run all over the place. You've, you've lived a lot of different areas. You've run all over the world. Do you have a favorite place to run? If so, I don't know if anyone's ever asked you that. I mean, this is what you do. You know, yeah, I think terrain wise, I love like high Alpine mountain stuff, mm -hmm. which we're lucky enough to have a lot of that here. I love getting up on temp. Uh, Ethan and I have done mm -hmm. temp a bunch of times recently. Um, the back of Cascade is amazing. You did Just, that this weekend. Well, yeah, then that was more of a, a mountaineering uh, adventure. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I love being up there above treeline. Um it just feels, it puts you, it, it gives you perspective. I feel like it, it makes you feel really small mm -hmm. and kind of helps you see what actually matters. Mm -hmm. And I, I just love that feeling. I love being up there and feeling kind of vulnerable and small in nature. So mm -hmm. I'd say that's probably my favorite, but you know, Costa Rica trails are amazing. Um, you know, been over in Europe a little bit too. Some of those trails are super cool. So I don't know if it's, I just love being on the trails anywhere. <laughs> Desert is awesome too. Utah's pretty tough to be. I mean, it is beauty all around, but Utah's yep. pretty amazing. Yep. Do you have a favorite season to run? Fall. Yeah. I too. love fall. I love fall. Oh, it's perfect. It's cool. The trails are always like tacky. Mm -hmm. I like kind of the moody weather. Oh, I just love fall. right now. Like, today like it's magic oh yeah you can see there's snow going on up there and yep. yet down here it's cool and it's yeah, awesome i love it so okay so i brought you an apple we are everybody, <laughs> the, the guys in the studio an apple i just picked it from my tree today just just barely and in an earlier episode i talked about this analogy of an apple a day yeah i mean we hear that an apple a day keeps the doctor away it I don't know if that's exactly true, you know, but <laughs> I think <laughs> to take that analogy a little bit different, like an apple a day, those things that we can do every day, oh, yeah, you know, that can make a difference in our life. If you were to say, I know that's a, a, kind of throwing this on you, but <laughs> if you can think of, you know, out of all the people you've trained and coached and all the, your experience in life, your person, is there anything you can say like if an an apple, what's one of those one things? I mean, there's lots of different things, but what are those one things that if you were to do on a daily basis to help create habits and uh, that, that apple a day, so to speak, you know, yeah. is there something that would stand out to you? You know, that's uh, an important thing that if we do each day, we can make a difference in our lives. Mm. With nutrition specifically, I would say uh, breakfast, like actually eating a purposeful nutrient-rich, big breakfast. So many people and athletes included just skip it. 
because uh, you're busy and you want to get out the door or you don't feel like eating in the morning sometimes. Um, so sometimes that's a habit that you kind of have to practice. Uh, but that's just going to start the day off so much better. Um, making sure that you're getting in, you know, some whole, you know, some whole grains, have some oatmeal or something like that. Uh, even whole wheat toast is awesome. Get some peanut butter and sprinkle some, um, you know, some hemp, hemp seeds on there or mm. something like, like you can make an easy, quick breakfast. It doesn't have to be something that's hard to make, but just start your day off with a solid breakfast. It's just going to make you start thinking about food. It's likely that you'll probably think about lunch and have a good solid lunch and dinner as well. Um, so that's one thing that I've noticed that helps a lot. To go back to that point that you made, pretty good chances your athletes are not getting enough calories mm -hmm. on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. It's pretty tough to try to catch up mm -hmm. if you haven't had oh, yeah. a proper breakfast to fuel that day. Yep. And for, for even non-athletes, I find that when people skip breakfast, they're way more likely to, I don't know if binge is the right word, but eat less nutrient, more processed, rich foods later on in the day and go for those junk foods because they're going to be feeling over hungry mm. because they didn't start that day with a solid breakfast. That's a great point. Yeah. That's a great point. Well, thank you, Vic. This is great to be with you today. I've learned a lot. Um, looking forward to our next run. Oh, me too. Uh, we went running a couple of weeks to go together and you introduced me to a trail that I had not been on. And, and I, th I think great. I got us lost is what I did. <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't know it. <laughs> it was great to be on that trail, but thank you very much for being here on a cup of Joe and to be a part of this. And I look forward to future ones when we can dive into other subjects. Thanks everyone for joining. Appreciate you being here on A Cup of Joe. My name's Joe Morton. This is Vic Johnson. Uh, if a person wants to contact you, is there a way that they can yeah. be in touch with you? Yeah, definitely. So uh, my website is mountainsportsnutrition.com, mtnsportsnutrition.com. Um, there's a little form you can fill out there if you're interested in coaching. Or I also have a, maybe we can talk about this another time, but I have a retreat uh, in Chamonix next summer oh, as well. that's right which will be really cool. So you can find out more about that there. And then I also have my Instagram, um, which is uh, mountain sports nutritionist. So, or you can look up Vic Johnson and find me that way too. And that's so. V I C V I C. Mm -hmm. yep. Yeah. Yep. Appreciate it, Vic. Thank you. And thanks for joining on this podcast, a cup of Joe. My name is Joe Morton and please share this with someone who you feel could use this. A lot of content here today. This is <laughs> Gosh, I wish I would have listened to this podcast when I was starting with my journey of endurance sports. I did this too. Is, <laughs> this is really, really helpful. Great content. Thanks for being here, Vic. Thanks, Make it Joe. a great day, everyone.